Welcome to Truth for Transformation with Timothy Brown. Timothy is the lead pastor of Arden First Baptist Church in Arden, North Carolina. Our mission is to lead ordinary people into extraordinary life in Christ. We pray that today's message inspires you to live an extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. Check out our website for more inspiring resources, ardenfbc.com. Now, here's today's message from Pastor Timothy Brown. Good morning, church. How is everybody? Good to see all of you guys. Um, Wanted to start off by saying thank you for just that great time of worship, you lifting your voices to the Lord. He is... He inhabits the praises of his people, so you guys did a great job praising him. Last week, for those of you who weren't here, we did a special message on how to share your testimony. And if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to listen online. You know, back in the day, we'd say pick up the tape, but now it's listen online. Um, it's about basically your, sharing your testimony is who you were before you met Christ, how you came to know Jesus, and how your life has changed since. So I challenge you guys, I was like, if any of you have a testimony, I may pick one of them to, to share. And one came to me and said, I'm ready to share. So let's give John Anthony a big hand. John, come on up. All right, John. Share about your story. Thank you, Timothy. I'd like to share with you how God has changed my life, and this comes straight from the heart. In my childhood, I had a loving mother, but I had an alcoholic dad. I don't remember eating many meals with him since he was gone most of the time. And as a result, I had an anger problem. And this anger carried with me through my childhood into my teens, into my 20s, into my 30s. And it came to the point of almost killing me. And I went to the Lord one day and I said, Lord, this anger is killing me. You've got to do something about it. And he said, John, I don't want you part of the time or some of the time. I want you in a moment-to-moment surrender and dependency on me. And then I knew that was the answer. Immediately, my anger left me. It just vanished. It disappeared. He forgave me of my sins. And since then, my life has really changed. Now, I get up early in the morning and have my quiet time with the Lord. I ask Him for wisdom and direction and ask Him for His will for my life. He usually answers my prayer with a yes 
No, or not at this time, but his timing is always perfect. As far as my request goes, I've learned to use these 3x5 index cards as I pray for people. And I must admit, my mind does drift, and I need your prayers on this. But I'm learning as I go along. As far as reading my Bible, I try to read a chapter a day, maybe from one or two translations. And I don't know about you, but with me in reading the Bible, I can be reading a passage and a verse where I've read it several times before, and sometimes it seems to just jump off the page again. And I think that's the Holy Spirit talking to us. But talking about serving in the church, I really enjoy serving with the homebound. I found these people have a lot of wisdom, and I can learn from them a whole lot. And for the ones of you who are not serving, let me encourage you to do so. There's a sense of uh, purpose and joy that you can get from serving, and I think you'll find that you'll really enjoy it. Just pick out one area to serve in, and I think you'll really enjoy it. But probably one of the most exciting things I found by serving the Lord is leading people to Christ. I volunteered out at the Cove where I've had some training now. These people listen to Billy Graham and they call in and then that's where we've got an opportunity to share the gospel with them and lead them to Christ in a salvation prayer. And I want to tell you, there's nothing like being a part of transforming a person's life and knowing that you'll meet them in heaven one day. There's nothing quite like it. So, Timothy, I want to commit to you right now. I'm going to have more gospel conversations this year I admit I have been using these invite cards. That's been working pretty well, where I've invited people to visit with us if they don't have a church home, to check out our website. But I want to go farther than that. I want to engage people and ask them how they're doing on their spiritual journey and get more involved in that. And I'm going to do a better job for you on that this year. So in closing, I'd like to say, as a golfer, Scotty Flusher, I believe his name is, the Masters Golf Champion, says, I want to feel God's peace and presence every day. As for me, I want to walk in a moment-to-moment surrender and dependency on the Lord every day. Thank you.
How many of you would be scared to death to do what John just did? So we're going to be in Acts 22. If you want to go and turn there, we want to welcome our online audience, Arden at Home. So glad you're with us today. You know, this congregation is a special one. I've been in the ministry now for almost 25 years. And I just want to say, and I'm not just saying this just to make you guys feel good, but you guys are some of the brightest, most amazing, intelligent, good-looking bunch I've ever seen. You guys don't believe. I'm serious. I'm telling the truth. Um, so with that, we're, we're doing a series called Let's Change the World. And the concept behind this series is not that you can change everyone on planet Earth. Not everyone on planet Earth is going to accept Christ. But the idea is if you change one person's world, in a sense, you've changed the world. Because when one person's life changed, the world's a different place, right? When one light goes bright because Christ is shining through them, they begin to change the world. So today we're going to be in Acts 22. In a little preview of this passage, we're going to look at the Apostle Paul. And to be transparent, the, these are kind of Paul's travel logs. Luke was given a travel log of Paul. And these are really hard passages to preach because they're specifically about Paul. And as you talk about it, people are like, well, what does this have to do with me? Right? So what? So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about Paul. And then we're going to make a lot of applications to you. But first of all, we need to talk about his story. So let's look in verse 17. It says, Now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I was in a trance. So before we go to verse 18, you've got to understand that the Apostle Paul received divine inspiration. Now you and I may be inspired by the Lord. We may feel the Holy Spirit speak to us through the word. And he does. But we're not inspired on the same level as we have the authority to write scripture. But Paul was. He, he was divinely commissioned. He, he received visions. Jesus spoke to him directly in such a way it was authoritative. So this is a trance he's having. Verse 18. And Paul saw Jesus saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. So I said, Lord. They know that in every synagogue I imprison and beat those who believe on you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then he said to me, depart, for I will send you from here to the Gentiles. And they listened to him until this word, talking about when he said the word Gentile. And then they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth. He is not fit to live. Then as they cried out and tore off their clothes and they threw dust into the air. The commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks and said that he should be examined under scourging so they may know why they should. They shouted so against him. And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said to the centurion who stood by. Is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? When the centurion heard that, he went down and told the commander, saying, Take care of what you do, for this man is a Roman. Then the commander came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman? He said, Yes. Then the commander answered, With a large sum of money I obtained the citizenship. But Paul said, I was born a citizen. Then immediately those who were about to examine him withdrew from him. And the commander was also afraid after he found out that he was a Roman and because he had bound him. Let us pray. Father, 
We thank you for the Apostle Paul's life. And God, we're seeing him on trial. We're seeing him before a Roman authority. And Paul is being falsely accused and he's in a really tough situation. So, Father, as we discover some truths from Paul's life, help us to see that this Christian life is not always easy. That sometimes there are trials, there are persecutions. Sometimes we must go through suffering. But, Lord, it's all for greater cause to advance the cause of Christ and the spread of the gospel. So, Lord, bless this spiritual meal we're about to partake. Help us to understand it. Help it not just to inform us, but help it to transform the way we live our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today's message is called Born Free. And what we see in this passage is Paul talking to Commander Lysus. And basically he's saying, listen, are you a Roman? And Paul says, yes, I was born a Roman. In other words, I was born free. And the commander, Claudius Lysus, was saying I had to buy this freedom. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at Paul's life and observe some things from his life. And then we're going to talk about you. So here's four truths we can learn from Paul's life. The first one is this. Paul had to learn how to follow God's call even when it did not make sense. So in verse 17, we see Paul recounting his testimony that he was ready to charge hell with a water pistol. He was ready to go to Jerusalem, the very place that he tried to destroy Christianity And all of a sudden, as he's getting this vision, Jesus tells him, Paul, I know you want to go to Jerusalem, but that's not my plan right now. So Paul basically had to realize he wasn't ready yet. Have you ever felt like you're ready? And then God says, no. Some of you singles are like, man, I'm ready to get married. Where's Mr. Right? Maybe I'll settle for Mr. Right now until I meet Mr. Right. You know, you're tempted with that. Um, And sometimes God says, I'm preparing you for something. I'm preparing you. Don't settle. Wait on me. So Paul's plan was basically to try to rebuild that which he had tried to destroy. It sounds like a logical plan, right? But what Paul did not know is that had he stayed in Jerusalem, he would have died earlier. We see in other passages in Acts that there was a group of Hellenistic Jews in Acts chapter 9. They were going to kill Paul. So one of the reasons why God got him out was to spare his life because he still had a ministry for him. Another reason was God wanted to prepare Paul for the future. And if you look at the timeline, I think we have a little picture here of Paul's life. There's a little timeline. And these dates can vary by a year or so, like Jerusalem Council, A.D. 50. A lot of scholars say it's A.D. 49. So they can vary. But this gives you a general timeline that after Paul was converted It was at least about 11 years before God used him on a great capacity. And it was 14 years before he did his first missionary journey. So I want to put you in Paul's shoes. A lot of times you say, you know, if if, if God would just use me, I don't know why he's using me. Some of you say that. And you think if it took Paul over a decade of preparation, why do you overestimate what you can do a year in a year and underestimate what you can do in 10 years? So God is part of the preparation. He is preparing Paul for something to come. We have some engineers in the church, and there's something interesting about engineers. It's called advanced planning, that you try to scale things, you try to plan things, you try to graph things in advance before it's created. Did you know that God is all about advanced planning? That even before God created the world, he had an advanced plan to send Jesus. 
There's a verse in Revelation where it says that Jesus Christ was slain. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. And you're like, no, he wasn't. He died 80, 32, somewhere about that. But in the mind of God, he, he knew before he created the earth, he knew that Adam and Eve would mess things up in sin. But God had an advanced plan to send Jesus. And when God made the world, did you know that he had an advanced plan for you and I? Even Adam and Eve in the garden, before he created them, he created everything they would need to live off of. He had an advanced plan. He created the world and the animals and all the fruit and all the the things that they would eat before he created them. So here's the beautiful thing about your life. You may think, why do I have to wait so long, God? Why are you delaying using me? God, I, I'm a single adult. I'm in my 20s. I'm in my 30s. I'm in my 40s. I'm waiting for a spouse. Where are you, God? Or God, I'm married. I've got kids. But when am I going to find the right career? Or God, I'm retired. And I, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Have you ever been there? So here's the thing about God. He is all in the advanced planning process. So look on your listening guide. I give five simple applications under point one. Why does it seem like God is waiting so long from my perspective to do anything great in my life? First of all, the call to ministry is the call to prepare. Billy Graham once said, someone asked him, if you only had three years left to live, what would you do with the last three years of your life? And Billy Graham said, I would spend two years studying and one year preaching. Most of us would be like, man, I'm ready to go right now. But you know, God is preparing you. He's working behind the scenes. Second application, before you could change the world, you must ask God to first change your world. Did you realize that God knows everything about you and he still loves you? So here's the reality behind it. You may want to change the world that God's going to first start in your world. Inner transformation comes before outer transformation. You know, sometimes the preparation comes before the platform. A lot of times we want the platform, but we don't want the preparation. God is working behind the scenes in your life. Third application, if you, if God were to call you right now without any preparation, you would not be ready to walk in your calling. Here's the, here's the reality. How many of you have seen on the news all these fallings of different pastors and leaders? And you're like, man, another another pastor bites the dust. And, you know, any of us, it could happen to any of us, right? Be, you know, the Bible says, if you think you stand, take heed lest you fall. So don't walk with pride. But the reality is there's your character and there's your calling. Whenever there's a gap between your character and your calling, that's when you have a falling. I'll say that again to the side of the room. Whenever there's a gap between your character and your calling, that's when you get a falling. So God's got a calling on your life, but he's also working on your character because he doesn't want you to fall. The book of Jude said he's able to keep you from falling. Fourth application, God is actively preparing you for what he has prepared for you. Did you know that every single day of your life is preparation for the next day? This season, God is preparing you for the next season because we serve a God that advances things. We serve a God that one of his favorite words is go, right? Go into all the world, make disciples. One of his favorite words is go. But before you go, he's preparing you for the go. He's working in your heart. He's working in your life. Fifth application, God is more concerned with who you are in Christ than what you do for Christ. Who is more important than the do? I'll say that again. The who is more important than the do. 
So I'm going to talk to the married couples here. Have you ever been in a state in your marriage where, gentlemen, to take out the trash is a duty? You're like, man, you start grumbling. And ladies, some things that you used to like to do now, you complain about it. It's quiet in church today. <laughs> Can I tell you why? Can I tell you guys want to know why? Whenever you put duty above devotion, that produces drudgery. I'll say that again. Whenever you put duty ahead of devotion, it leads to drudgery. So here's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be devoted to him fully. And out of the devotion flows the duty. If you put duty ahead of devotion, you're going to be like, do I have to? Do I have to preach? Oh, no, you don't have to. You get to. You don't have to share the gospel. You get to. Amen. Second truth from Paul's life. What can we learn from Paul's life? God's call on Paul's life often got him in trouble. With those who didn't like to change their fixed way of thinking. So back to verse 22. They listened to him until he said this word. What word did Paul say that offended them? Gentile, right? We have some four-letter curse words in our culture. They had a G-letter curse word. If you say the word Gentile, it was like, oh my goodness, what did you say? Did you say Gentile? So if you think racial tensions are bad today... You should have been in Paul's day. Racism is nothing new. It's existed throughout ever since Genesis 3 when sin entered the world. That's when racism entered the world. Racism is not a skin problem. It's a sin problem. So why were the Jews so upset about Gentiles? Well, a few things. Number one, they didn't like their lifestyles. Number two, they had forgotten that God called them in Genesis 12 to Abraham to be a blessing to all people. And that included the Gentiles. You read Isaiah. It talks about a light to the Gentiles, right? They had forgotten their call. They had, the, they had the good news, but they wanted to keep the good news to themselves. It's kind of like I'll give you a little secret. Uh, two of my kids are in kids' church right now. And whenever I get tiramisu pie, I don't think they have taste buds to really appreciate it at this stage in their life. Mike, I don't think they do. So I want to keep it because I feel like it's good stewardship because you don't really appreciate it. You don't want to appreciate it as much as I do. You can't get the nuances of, of coffee and the different flavors in tiramisu. So I want to hold it to myself. How many of us are that way with the gospel? We're like, well, you know, I don't want to get dirty. I don't want to share it. It's like our favorite dessert. We don't want to share it. But we're called to share that which is good. So Paul realized that this Jewish crowd were disgruntled. And one thing they were disgruntled about is they were okay for Gentiles to become Jewish proselytes. So, you know, the women didn't have a problem with this, but for a man, you had to have surgery to go to church. If you wanted to be a full, fully converted Jewish proselyte, the guys had to have surgery. If you don't believe me, read the book of Galatians. And so, so the Jews were like, no, you've got to do something. To, you can't be on equal footing by faith alone. So Paul basically announced in his ministry that you're saved by faith alone. You don't have to go through a ritual. Guys, you don't have to have surgery. And everyone said, praise God. You're saved by faith alone. So they, they're like, okay, you Gentiles on equal footing with us without having to do anything, that's blasphemy. That's why they were upset. All right, third principle from Paul's life. Following God often got Paul into troubling situations. So not only was he in trouble with this crowd, this angry mob that wanted to kill him, but look at verse 24. The commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks, that he should be examined under scourging so they may, might know why they shouted against him. 
How many of you have ever heard the will of God is the safest place to be? Hate to tell you, but someone lied to you, okay? The will of God is sometimes the most dangerous place to be. I mean, think about Paul. Everywhere he goes, God calls him. He's getting arrested. He's getting beaten. Here, he almost gets scourged. Now, we have a picture of what that looked like. A scourge was a handle, typically a wooden handle. And you notice these leather straps coming down. They could have bone attached. They could have metal attached. Sometimes there was even a hook attached. It was called the scorpion that would take your skin and just rip you to shreds. So they were getting ready to do this to Paul. By the way, they did this to Jesus. You talk about the the cat of nine tails being lashed. So Paul was getting ready to be scourged, but he didn't. He didn't be scourged, and we'll tell why. But it begs the question, how many, maybe I'm the only one, but have you ever said, God, why are you doing this to me? Like, why did that person cut me off in traffic? Why am I having a migraine headache? God, why am I getting this sickness? God, why, why me? Until you get to Philippians 129, let's throw this on the screen. It says, for you have been granted the privilege. Someone say privilege. Privilege is a good thing, right? Not only of trusting in Christ. Okay, I get that. Believing salvation, that's great. But you've been granting the privilege of suffering. How many of you want to sign up for suffering, right? Nobody said that. You never choose suffering. But here's the thing. If, if following Jesus, you have to suffer it's a good thing. Like, how can it be a good thing? Because God is working behind the scenes to do things that you can't see yet. And Paul talks about entering into the fellowship of his sufferings. There are certain aspects of God's character that you will not know apart from suffering. So if you want to be a deep Christian, if you want to grow, not that you seek after suffering, but when it happens, and it will, God's going to use that to draw you closer to him, to understand aspects How do you know God is the healer until you're broken? How do you know that God is the peacemaker, the peace giver, the prince of peace until you lack peace? As you enter into times of suffering, that's when you experience the suffering Savior that enters into this time of fellowship with you. So Paul is seeing the situation and he's realizing, you know, this is bad, but God's going to do something great out of it. I'm going to take you back to a history lesson. How many of you remember studying the queens and kings of England? Anybody? You're like, no. There was one queen. Her name was Mary. And she extended to the throne in 1553, way back in the day. And she wanted to bring England back to the Roman Catholic Church. That was her goal because you had people saying you can be saved by faith alone and and some people were throwing the red flag. No, no, we've got to still depend on the Pope here. And there was all this theological debate. So Mary was against Christians that went against the Roman Catholic Church or her, her brand of Christianity. So she had at least 200 Christians martyred because they had a different view of Scripture than she did. 200. So her name became Bloody Mary. How many of you ever heard of that name? Bloody Mary. So I want to tell you a quick story. There were three world-changing leaders that basically said, listen, you're saved by faith alone. You know, we don't need to lift the Pope up to the highest level where we're glorifying him. He's just a man. We can go straight to Christ. They were teaching salvation by faith alone. Communion is not some element of saving grace. It's, it's just remembering the body, the blood of Jesus. They were teaching things that the church at that time were like, oh, no, you did not say that. So three gentlemen were martyred. Bishop Ridley, Bishop Latimer, and Archbishop Thomas Cranmer. 
And it's interesting, it's in Oxford. Any of you ever been to Oxford? It's a really cool place. I know Martin's been there. I wish I had a picture. They have this statue of the bishops. And you see the statue there, but they were martyred on October 16th. 1555. But here's the story. I want to I want to, go to read some quotes here. As they were being tied up to be burned at the stake, Ridley prayed this prayer. Now I want you to listen to this prayer. Imagine yourself being burned at the stake. That's hard to imagine. He says, "O heavenly Father, I give unto thee most hearty thanks that thou hast called me to be a professor of thee even unto death." So think about that. A guy's getting ready to be burned. God, I thank you that I'm getting ready to die for you. I don't know if I'm at that. I don't know if I'm there. I mean, it's like. I'd be like, God, save me. Send the angels. Get me off. You know, like, help me. All right. So Latimer, he also was being burned on the same day at the stake. And I want you to listen to his prayer. He was talking to Ridley, who, according to the account, Ridley would not burn fast enough. They said the the, 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 the tree was kind of green, and they had eventually, I think, throw gunpowder to get it going. But he was burning slowly and a lot of pain. But Latimer was burning up quickly. And as the flames rose... Radley looked over to Ridley. Latimer looked over Ridley and listened to his words. Be of good comfort, Mr. Ridley, and play the man. We shall this day light a candle by God's grace in England, as I trust that shall never be put out. Now think about that. Play the man. We're, we're being burned at the stake, but we're going to be a candle that's going to light up England. And you guys know the rest of the story. There was a religious freedom now in England, partly because of these bishops saying, listen, we're not going to go along with false doctrine. We're going to stand by Christ. We're going to stand by his word. So the point from Paul's life I want to make, and this is not something you typically hear on televangelists. It's not something you'll hear with people preaching prosperity gospel, but the Christian life is not always easy. Sometimes it means suffering. Sometimes it means pain. But the thing about Paul is he stayed true to his calling. Even when others around him were following, he stayed true. Amen. All right, fourth principle from Paul, and then we're going to get really practical for you. Paul used his natural assets to advance the gospel. Paul used the Romans' road, which, you know, free access to travel, but he also used his Roman what? Citizenship. And what's interesting is Paul generally didn't cling on to his own rights unless his natural rights helped further the gospel. It wasn't Paul's time to go yet. He was going to be bound and he's going to be about two years in Caesarea. He was going to make his way to Rome, house arrest for two years. He still had work to be done. So what we can learn from Paul is we see he used his bravery. I don't know about you, but if like a commander was staring me in the face and an angry crowd wanted to to like kill me, I'd be like, can I have a few minutes of time out? I just need to take a breath. I need to drink a latte and get myself. I mean, I, I don't know what I would say. It's just like I need a few minutes here. But Paul Can I speak? He always spoke up. He uses legal rights. So the question for you is, what is God going to do in your life? As our world gets progressively worse, how are you going to take a stand? Would you be willing to suffer? Would any of us be willing to give our lives as a martyr if that came? God forbid, but if it came, would we be willing Church, this is God preparing us through his word that we've got to be ready. We've got to be willing. We don't know what the future holds, but we do know who holds our future. Amen. So Paul makes a statement. He says, Commander Lysus says, I, I bought this Roman citizenship. 
which, by the way, that means it was an under-table deal that wasn't typically done, that you buy a citizenship. It was, let me grease your palms, you grant me citizenship, you get a lot of money, I get citizenship, we're both good. But Paul says, I was born a Roman citizen, I was born free. So, spiritually speaking, that whenever you become a Christian, what does he do? The sun sets you free. You're free indeed. So there's a, there's a spiritual application we can make. So I want to give you four applications as we close about your life. So it brings the question, some of you are like, well, Timothy, I'm not a Roman citizen. I've never been beaten. I've never almost been scourged before. <laughs> you know, the worst thing I've ever had is someone cut me off in traffic. How does this apply? So what? Well, I'm going to answer that. Number one, realize that God's plan for your life is bigger than your present reality. How many of you wish that you could be further down the road than you are with your, your family, your finances, your faith? Um, every area you think, man, I wish I could be further down the road. If it took Paul about 11 years before God really started using him in a big capacity, 14 years before he went on his first missionary journey. Why are you sweating the weight? Why are you sweating it? Sometimes you overestimate what you can do in a year but you underestimate what God can do through you over the next 10 years. So don't sweat it. Just trust in him. Philippians 1.6, Paul in another passage says this, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to what? Completion. If God started it, he will finish it. You know, a lot of times I will start a project. I'm notorious for starting something, i.e. like my child swing set outdoors, and then, you know, I have to hire someone to finish it. (laughs) you've been there, but God, because he does advanced planning, he always finishes what he starts. So be sure of you, God, if he started to work in you, he will finish it. Satan can't seal it. Satan can't destroy it. Man's scheming will not work. If God started it, he will finish it. Second principle, second truth. Don't drift from your calling. Even when others come against you, because the enemy will send others to distract, discourage and derail you from your destiny. How many of you have ever had anyone be critical and negative towards you? Like everybody in this room, like yesterday. Listen, as a pastor over 25 years, I've been called everything in the book. Your sermons are too long. You're too in-depth. There's not enough meat. Uh, You're too dynamic. You're not dynamic enough. You're too emotional. You're not emotional enough. You're not, you're not Baptist enough. You're not Pentecostal enough. I mean, it's like I've been accused of everything. But you know what? I don't find my calling from the crowd. I find my calling from Jesus. And my only go, goal is at the end of my life for him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's it. That's it. And that should be your goal, too. So don't let the critics. I mean, think about Paul. This mob wants to kill him. They're falsely accusing him. The commander doesn't realize he's Roman and he's, I mean, he's changed. He's hand, all this stuff's happening, but he has his eyes fixed and focused, which brings us to Hebrews 12. The author of Hebrews says, let's run with race, endurance, the race that's set before us, fixing our eyes on who? That's it. See, if you look at other leaders, even church leaders, you're going to get discouraged. I mean, this world People are falling down like left and right. You're going to get discouraged. If you look within, you'll get depressed. If you look outside, you'll get oppressed. But if you look upward, you'll always be impressed because Jesus never lets you down. He's the the constant one. He's the one that says, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. 
So keep your eyes on him. Don't, don't focus on me. Don't focus on your spouse. Don't focus on your best friend. Don't focus on your favorite spiritual leader. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus because he's the only one that will never let you down. Number three, third principle. Don't be surprised when you suffer as a Christian for doing good. I heard a story about a guy that he was talking to his friend. He said, man, this has been a rough week. I've lost my job. Because of that, I lost my fiance. I lost my house and I lost my money. And he's like, it's, it's so bad. And his friend just kept saying, hey, it could be worse. It could be worse. You ever talk to someone and that's they're saying it could be worse. So the guy got exasperated and said, how could it be worse? And without thinking, he said, well, it could have happened to me. <laughs> wasn't thinking, wasn't very compassionate, was he? So in First Peter 4, this is so good. Whenever you say, God, why are bad things happening to me? God, why did this person be so mean to me? God, why am I sick? God, why am I suffering? God, why? And we forget we live in a fallen world. That's like, wake up, you live in a fallen world. Listen to what Peter says. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you, as though something strange were happening to you. So Peter said, listen, if you're going through suffering, it's not strange. Welcome to planet Earth, right? Fallen world. He says, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of whose sufferings? Christ's sufferings. That when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. So here's the principle. If you suffer with Jesus now, you will be rewarded with Jesus later. If you suffer with Jesus now, you'll be rewarded with Jesus later. The Bible says we are co-heirs with Christ. So suffering is not so bad when you know there's a future hope. There's a future glory. Amen. And finally, the final application before we close. Live like you're born free because you are free in Christ. So here's the thing as a pastor, it's so discouraging when any of my Christian brothers and sisters have bondage. And listen, friends, there are times we enter into bondage, not because God wants us to, but because we're human, we're fallible, we're broken. So here's the thing. Christ has set you free. So don't be in bondage. Don't be in bondage to anything, anyone you are serving Jesus. So fear can be a bondage. How many people do you know have been crippled because of the fear of COVID, the fear of death? How many people do you know that have been crippled about the fear of finances or what's going to happen in the school system? There's so many fears. Well, the Bible says there's only one that you're to fear, and that's God. If you fear God, you don't have to be fearful of anything or anyone else. Because, listen, the worst thing that could happen to you is someone kill you. Guess what? You just got promoted. And you just got promoted. It's like you don't realize it, but from eternity you're doing me a favor if, if I'm taken out. Not that I want to die. I want to live like you. But my point is from eternity, if you think about the worst case scenario, I die. Paul said for me to live as Christ, but to die is is gain. Man, from from eternity perspective, it's even better. So let's summarize this into one sentence. I know we've covered a lot of scripture. Let's throw the big idea on the screen. How could we summarize what happened to Paul? Apply it to us. Stay true to your calling, even when others around you are falling. Stay true to your calling. Paul, this angry mob, this commander, all this going on, and he had his eyes fixed on Jesus. In the upcoming days, weeks, and years, it's not a matter of if you have problems. It's a matter of when. And if you will fix your eyes on Jesus, it will see you through the storm. That focus, 
Because in this world, Jesus already told us you will have problems. But he says, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. All right, let's make it practical application steps as we close. Use your God-given gifts, talents, and abilities to advance the gospel in the world. Paul used his Roman citizenship as a natural asset to advance the gospel. What do you have to advance the gospel? As I said at the beginning of the sermon, and I meant this, you guys are some of the most gifted people I've ever seen. And I'm not talking about just the professionals in the audience. I'm talking about the house, housewife. I'm talking about the one that's retired, that is a prayer warrior. God uses it all. What are you doing with what God's given you to advance the gospel? God wants you to use that. Second thought is don't let the critics in the crowd confuse you of your calling. Your identity comes from Jesus and him alone. So stay focused on him. And finally, live out your Christian freedom. And it's not a way to serve yourself, but it's a way to serve others. You know, Paul could have used his own rights to serve himself. He could have. He was the most educated of his day. He had the royal pedigree as far as being a Jew. Not royal, but he had the lineage. Um, He had the education. He could have been wealthy. He could have been elite. He could have used all this. But he said, you know what? I'm going to use my intelligence, I'm going to use my education, I'm going to use my pedigree, I'm going to use my citizenship, not to advance myself, but to advance the cause of Christ and the gospel. What if we had that same mindset? All that God has blessed you with, what if you said, God, all of it is yours, and I want to use it for you? Do you think the world would be a different place? I think it would. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much that you've called us. And God, it's not always easy to go through this world. It's not always easy to experience suffering. It's not always easy to not understand what's happening to us. But God, help us to trust in you. Help us to know that you've got a plan even when we don't understand. So, Father, I want to pray for every believer today that you'd strengthen them. That, God, you would help them that when they face troubles, that they would look deeper, that they're entering into the fellowship of the Savior. They're getting to know God on a deeper level. Strengthen us. And God, where we sin and fall short of you, where we don't take the advantage of getting to know you deeper in the trials, where we don't speak up when we should, when we're silent, when we get scared and we just curl up instead of stand up. Forgive us and help us. Give us this courage that we see in the Apostle Paul's life. As the believers continue to pray, there may be one here today. And when we talk about born free, you don't really have a concept of that because you're in bondage today. You're in bondage to fears. You're in bondage to habits. You're in bondage to sin. You're, you're in bondage to hangups. But I got good news. Jesus came to set you free. In order to be free, you have to know Jesus personally. The Bible says if you will receive the gospel, that's the the good news that Jesus died on the cross. He rose the third day and you're willing to turn from your sin and turn to him. I want you right where you're sitting to say this prayer. Say, dear God, I need to be set free today. I do believe the gospel that Christ died for my sins and rose again. And Father, I want to place my faith in Christ alone. Please forgive me. Please take away my sin and please help me walk in this new freedom of the Christian life. 
In Jesus' name we pray and all God's children said, amen. I'm going to ask the band to come up. We're going to have a closing song. So um, as, as they're coming up, I, I got a few thoughts. A lot of times when the message is done, we think that the message is done, right? But the Bible says the word of God is living. And what, what we do every week at the end of the message, once it's complete, we give you ways to respond as a church. And we want to make this very simple. First of all is connection cards. In front of you, you'll see a connection card on the back of every chair. And if you're a guest today, we encourage you to fill that out. We'd love to get to know you guys. Uh, we're not going to spam your phone, but we'd love to just reach out to you and say, hey, let's, let's get together. Let's have coffee. Uh, second is prayer. If you need prayer, we will have prayer warriors available after the service. I just want to encourage you to find somebody. Uh, Miss Debbie, I'm going to ask you to be up front here after the service. So if you need prayer, we're going to have people that can pray for you. So once the final song is sung, if you need prayer, just know this altar is open. We're here for you. Third is for regular attenders and, and members is giving. Your generosity fuels the mission. And if you guys will just look in your bulletin, I just want to kind of bring it to your attention. We're a little behind for the year. And partly because we had three snow days. There's a, there's a deficit in our budget. And we have a lot of new people, and I haven't really had a chance to teach all the new t- people about giving. And I don't have time to go into a sermon about that. And you guys said amen. But basically, New Testament giving, the Old Testament was a what? 10% tithe. The New Testament, Paul says, give generously, willingly, not because you have to, but because you want to. Give with this cheerful heart. So you're like, what does generous mean? That's between you and God to figure out. If the Old Testament tithe was 10%, that's probably a good place to start, right? But if you can't do 10%, start where you're at. Ask God to show you how much to give. And you know what? As you give, it helps us get the gospel mission out in order to reach more people. Amen? Fourth is communion. We, we have communion tables on the side. And some of you may not feel comfortable going in front of others to take communion. But you can also take this home. And it's between you and God. If you're in a right relationship with God and you want to remember the body and the blood of Jesus, you, some people even take this home and share this individually or with their spouse. You can take these home with you. And finally, last but hopefully not least, uh, if you're new, I'd love to meet you. I'm going to be in this back room back here. And at the end of the service, if, if you'd like to, to talk, uh, I'd love to meet you. We have a gift for you. And any church members that need to meet with me, I'd love to meet with you also. Just kind of hang out here in the front. In about five minutes, I'll come meet with you. So the band is going to send us out with a final song. And I want you guys to realize that you are born what? You're born free. So live free in Christ.